0: By the way, I just released my ebook, Harness the Power of Podcasting. To get a free copy, just go over to Mikosantos.co slash free book. That is M I K O S A N T O S dot co slash free book.
1: This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab. Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. Book a call at www.kangroofern.com dot <laughs> www.kangroofern.com
2: it's Adelaide's podcast on OzPod Syndicate.
0: We are talking about digital PR and communication. Our guest for today, she loves traveling and have been traveled to more than forty countries. Wow! I only have traveled probably I only traveled four countries, right, on well, my whole life. But our guest <laughs> traveled forty countries. That's that's a lot. So please welcome. Erin Carey, she is um, a digital PR and communication. Welcome to the show, Erin.
2: Thank you, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, great to be here. Even though we're on lock, well, we're not on lockdown, but we're in self isolation, we can we can still make this work, and uh, we can continue to hopefully inspire other people to eventually travel once more and um, set up their own business as well, even if at the moment they don't feel like they can. Hopefully in the future things will go back to normal and, you know, our, our, my advice will will, um, will be useful to them, if not right now, some, sometime in the future. Well, uh, tell me about
0: yourself. So sort of our audience and listening right now, is um, so you love travel and you travel almost forty countries. How did it started?
2: Yeah, so uh, well, where do I start? It it kind of started back in high school. I remember I I cracked open a fortune cookie and inside the fortune cookie it said you will travel far and wide for both business and pleasure. And for some reason that really struck a chord with me. And I remember I sticky taped it to a, a contract and with that I typed out myself on the computer with my best friends that we would travel overseas after high school. And, and then it kind of just went from there. Uh, I met my husband and then we travelled to quite a few countries. Uh, we went uh, on our first trip was like a whirlwind holiday around Europe for eight weeks. And then we went to South America a couple of years later where we went for our honeymoon and then uh, the year after that with six months backpacking throughout Asia and um, Europe. And then most recently we actually have um, been living on a boat in the Caribbean uh, and we've only just got back about four months ago. So we were away for almost two years uh, living on our boat. Uh, we sailed around the Caribbean or throughout the island chain there and then we sailed across the Atlantic Ocean and ended in the Azores, which are a tiny little archipelago of islands in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, about uh, 900 miles off the coast of Portugal. So that's where our boat is right now, actually. So, yeah, she's sitting there waiting for us. We were meant to be going back uh, you know, about this time next year. But at the moment now, that's not looking so promising. So we'll see see what happens. But, yeah, we do hope to get back to our boat one day and continue our adventure. So what do you think your
0: greatest achievement on, on travelling? How did the adventure came about?
2: Yeah, so I would definitely say the greatest achievement in life, which happens to be a travel achievement, is sailing across the Atlantic Ocean because we weren't actually sailors. So it, it all came about uh, late to 2015 my husband and I uh, we live a very normal life in the suburbs we both have middle middle management jobs in the public service so just kind of your average family and uh, we sat down one night to watch a documentary actually we sat down to just watch Netflix we didn't plan on what we were watching but my husband happened to put on a documentary um, about Laura Decker (laughs) the youngest girl to ever sail around the world And I wasn't even planning on watching it. I was just scrolling on my phone and then, you know, a couple of minutes in it kind of grabbed my attention. And from that moment on, we were both transfixed. I put my phone down and I was just completely focused on this video. And by the end of it, I just remember the credits rolling and we were just kind of sitting there speechless. And then the credits kind of finished and we finally (laughs) snapped out of whatever trance we were in. And we just both looked at each other and went, wow, let's do it. (laughs) And it it wasn't as simple as that, but it almost was. So from there, we moved to the computer and we started Googling families sailing around the world and realised that it it was actually a thing. We had no idea if it was even possible or if anyone else was out there doing it. I realised that there were actually thousands of families sailing in different parts of the world and living on boats. And uh, so from that moment on, we decided that we were going to do it. Uh, it took us about three weeks to to lock it in in our minds and build up the courage to tell everybody. And then we told all of our family members who proceeded to uh, crack up laughing when we told them and they didn't believe us and thought that we were... You know, stupid. We weren't sailors. We'd never owned a boat. We didn't have any savings. We were just a regular family. We had credit card debt. Like we were in no position to buy a yacht and sail away. But uh, two years and two months
0: mm-hmm.
2: of us. So I should add that I've got my husband and three boys. We were three, uh, seven, and eight at the time. And we sailed, we sorry, flew out on one way tickets to Grenada, which is a Caribbean island. And we started our adventure. And the moment that we saw our boat for the first time was the first time that we'd ever laid eyes on her. We bought her sight unseen. So we bought her over the internet and just paid uh, like a surveyor to go and check her out for us. And thankfully, she ended up being a great boat. Uh, could have could have gone you know a lot worse, but it it all worked out quite well. And uh, the first time, because she was currently on land, she, she was on land when we first saw her, uh, and then proceeded to live on the boat on land for six weeks, and then finally got it put into the water. And the first journey, moving the boat from like the marina out to into the harbour where we anchored, was the first time that we'd ever driven a boat that size um, and we basically just learned as we went we would uh, go out and practice anchoring the first time we practiced anchoring we couldn't get it the second time we couldn't get it by about the third time we started you know learning how to anchor and then we we might travel you know one kilometer around the corner to a new anchorage and then the next you know few days later a week later we'd travel five kilometers and then we just kind of built up so uh, come after 18 months of sailing around the Caribbean we 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 knew from the start that we really wanted to cross an ocean it was just something in both of us that um, it just would have been an amazing achievement and even though what we did regardless of whether we had across an ocean or not was an amazing achievement it was just something that we both wanted to do to be able to say that we'd sailed across an ocean and we had bought a boat with that in mind so we bought an older boat that wasn't, um, you know, because a lot of the modern boats are more open plan, spacious, luxurious, um, but they're not as strong and tough. So we'd bought this big old tank of a boat that wasn't as spacious inside and, you know, had lots of dark wood. And so the the newer boats are white and very lovely and modern, but we bought this old boat because we wanted to cross an ocean. So I think that was in the back of our mind that, you know, we'd been living on this, this kind of darker boat for 18 months we need to cross an ocean because we bought this for the reason Um, but it wasn't easy there were lots of challenges that uh, almost stopped us from going across the ocean but eventually we did so that was in uh, june last year and so for three weeks we sailed um across the atlantic ocean without seeing land and without stopping 24-7 around the clock, we um, sailed across the ocean and landed in the Azores. So definitely my well, my husband and I's greatest achievement, and I think it will be for the rest of our lives. And I love that even when I'm 90, I can say that I sailed across an ocean and we'll st- I think it will still kind of give me goosebumps that, that we pulled it off.
0: That's fantastic. That's, that, that's fantastic. Um... Well, is that because of your, because of your adventure, this business that you are setting up, is there a sort of that travel adventure?
2: Absolutely. So before we set off, like I said, uh, I worked for the government. So I, I, I was doing security clearances, which did involve me interviewing people. So I would interview people, find out a lot of information about their life and then have to formulate a report and come up with a, you know, a decision either way about whether or not they got their security clearance. Uh, so when I when we were out on the boat, we had saved up enough money for what we hoped would last two years, but everything obviously always costs more than what you expect. So about 12 months in, we were realising that, you know, our funds were going down a lot faster than what we anticipated. So I was racking my brain trying to figure out how I could make money while sailing. Um, It was really up to me because maintaining a boat, especially an old boat, takes a lot of time. And my husband was so busy maintaining the boat, keeping us all alive, (laughs) sailing, that, um, you know, I really, I wanted to bring something to the table in that regard. And so. during that time I was keeping a Facebook page where I would just share stories about our adventure and life on board. And people would always comment about how much they loved my writing and how much uh, they enjoyed reading when I was writing. And um, it kind of got me thinking, maybe I could do something to do with writing. So I started learning how to pitch magazines and ended up um, writing for quite a few of the sailing magazines. So that led to, in in the sailing world, there's quite a few popular YouTube channels and uh, these YouTubers, they're obviously sailing around parts of the world as well. We just happened to bump into SV Delos, who are the number two sailing YouTube channel in the world. And I asked them if I could write an article on them, which meant that I went to their boat and interviewed them and got to know them. We just kind of kept bumping into them throughout the Caribbean because we were both sailing there at the same time. And uh, through writing that article about them, they kind of reached out to me and said, would you like to do some PR for us? So one thing kind of led to the next. And before you know it, I, I was starting up my own PR business and uh, now I, I have my own PR company, where I work for um, adventurers, sailors, digital nomads, people that are living an inspirational lifestyle. Basically, if you're doing something that other people are going to find uh, really exciting and different, and if you're living life you know, differently, then I help them those kind of people share their story. By writing about them in magazines, and, and uh, you know, getting them podcast interviews, getting them uh, interviews and features in newspapers, and yeah, so it's it is honestly all down to our trip. If we hadn't have watched that Laura Decker uh, Netflix show back in two thousand and fifteen, if I, we hadn't have constantly put it ourselves out of our comfort zone. Learning to sail, buying a boat sight unseen, learning how to navigate the world and then crossing the oceans. I would never have dreamt that I would have started my own business. And yeah, it, that in a, you know, it was a life changing trip in many ways, and especially because I got a whole new career out of it as well, which is really exciting.
0: Ooh, just a girl! What a what a story! Um, so you're saying a PR. So some people doesn't understand what is digital PR or public relation.
2: Yeah. So PR is what other people, <clears throat> excuse me, are saying about you. So <clears throat> marketing or advertising, <clears throat> excuse me, is what you're saying about yourself. Whereas PR is what is what other people are saying about you so if you can get other people talking about you if you can get your story out there it's building um like your reputation in the community if you can become a trusted source of information um if you can uh you know get people to start having you front of mind that's what public relations is so by sharing, by me um, helping them share their story. It's getting other people to talk about them. And then my ideal goal with my business is to uh, increase their followers, which will in turn increase revenue and then also save them time. So my clients are traveling the world, often living on a boat and it's it's hard enough living on a boat and maintaining a boat. Uh, you learn in uh, the YouTuber's case, filming, editing, and all those things are a full-time job. So if I can then take the, the PR off their hands, then I'm saving them time where they can concentrate on doing the things that they love and that they're good at. And, and uh, we're, we're, we're really um, growing their audience and helping their revenue so that they can continue to do what they love, which is travelling the world.
0: All right. So you are, you're saying you're, some of your client is um, a creator, a YouTube creator, a content creator. So mm-hmm. so what are your help and tips for people who is going to, wanting to create their own channel, their own content for YouTube or other social media? So what what is your tips for them if they want to start it? So just for me for example for me i've been doing youtube since 2008 but mm-hmm. i'm not a lot of follower because i'm busy doing some content i have no time to do the public relation or whatever what, what should help helping tips to them
2: uh well you can hack your own pr so to say you can do your own pr it's it's not uh it's not impossible to do your own PR. It, it just takes time. And uh, public relations is all about building relationships. So the reason that um, PR agencies are successful in what they do is because they've built contacts with People And that's why you kind of tend to have a niche. So my niche is obviously the adventure, travel, sailing field. So I've built up quite a few contacts in that niche, which then enables me to reach out to those people and, uh, you know, say, hey, I've got a client who is a yacht charter uh, who can speak about um, kite surfing in the Caribbean. And so then I'll arrange for them to do a a podcast interview with with that person and so they speak as a subject matter expert but at the same time they're they're getting the name of their business out there the the show notes of the podcast will have a link to their website in there so they're building um you know the links on on the internet which is good for um seo Uh, so there's lots of little ways then you know the podcasts will then share the podcast with their audience, the business will share, also share it on their social pages. And it's, it's about, all about leveraging uh, every time they get a media hit. It's about leveraging that to then share it around. So in your case, you could um, try and find other podcasters that, that you could also do an interview on and then you could interview them on your podcast and then obviously both share it on your socials. You could get an article. Try and get an article in local Adelaide magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's all about kind of niching down and thinking. Okay, what? Who are my ideal audience? Where do they hang out? What kind of um, things are they reading? What kind of things are they watching? Whereabouts on Facebook do they hang out? What kind of groups are they in? And then targeting those publications or podcasts or newspapers that are relevant to those people. And uh, like, in so a lot of people kind of come to me and say, "Oh, we want to be in Forbes and the Times Magazine." And I mean, it's it's the thing is, it's for starters, it's unrealistic that they will reach those kind of big publications. They're often paid to play, but also you've really got to think in in a magazine like that. Often, uh, the people that are reading it um, are not going to be interested in your business so if out of 100% of people 0.1% are actually interested in your business is it really even worthwhile being in that magazine when you can find a really targeted publication uh, that for example might be all about sailing but we know that 95% of the people that are reading that magazine care about sailing are interested in sailing and are going to be interested in your story. So yeah, it's about finding those publications and then creating a pitch. So a pitch is something everybody can do. There are things that make pitches better, but you know it's all about trial and error as well. If the you know you send out five pitches and you don't get a reply, tweak it a little bit and send it again. But essentially, what you're going to be saying in your pitch is introducing yourself and sharing an angle of your story. So. Uh, while my story as a whole might be interesting, in saying that this point in time with COVID-19, I could look at what angle of my story might be more interesting and that might be the fact that I homeschooled my children on the boat for two years. So now I know all about homeschool and I also know about isolation because we sailed across the ocean for, and we were isolated for three weeks. Uh, and I know about provisioning because I had to stock our boat for th- with three months' worth of food. So those things are really relevant to what people are going through right now. So in my pitch, I would, you know, write that uh, about that angle of my story and then um, send it off and hope that the editor that you've sent it to or the journalist that you've sent it to thinks that it's going to be useful for their readers because the whole point of that is that you're sharing your story not to get benefit for yourself, although that is obviously what you want, but you've got to think about what the magazine's going to get out of it and hopefully your story is going to be of interest to their readers. And, yeah, so that's how other people can do their own PR. Uh, But like I said, it's time-consuming and you often don't get a response, so it's not unusual to have to follow up two, three, four times and... Uh, it's pretty cutthroat there's a lot of people that are fighting to get get on that magazine page and get in that newspaper and get that podcast interview but it, it can definitely be done it, um, but it also if if anyone wants some help or advice then there are plenty of PR professionals out there that can that can help either in a in a small way yeah there's all different kind of size of packages Uh or, you, you know, you can get the whole service. But, uh, yeah, so, the, I mean, I could keep going on about it, but <laughs> basically, yeah, it's just about sharing your story and trying to find the right people who want to listen to it.
0: So you're saying on your tips is that you have to have your own niche, which means there's only one topic, not scatter. Is that... Correct way if you want to grow your um, channel, your brand, so you have to have one niche.
2: Well, I'm not saying that you just have to have one niche, but I think it does make it easier if you know what your niche is. Uh, But your niche might be the fact that you don't have a niche. I don't, you know, I don't. I don't know a lot about what your podcast is about, to be honest, so I'm not sure if you interview all different kinds of people from Adelaide, and that in itself is the interesting part of what you do. Uh, but it's, I guess it's good to find your target audience so that you know who to concentrate on so that when you do go to share your story, it's not like you're not just throwing the net out there and hoping to just get somebody. You're really able to target it. And uh, whilst you might be going to fewer publications, you're going to get uh, a bigger hit rate because it's a more targeted approach. So in line on
0: influential marketing, all right, so some, f- some, some brand or some company are using influential marketing. Is that, as a, as a content creator, is that necessarily to you have a million followers before brand will pick on
2: you? Again, that's that's a really difficult one. It's not so much in what I do, but from what I believe, it's really not because you can go out there and buy followers. I mean, I could click on uh, you know make three or four clicks right now and I can buy a hundred thousand followers anyone can do that. And we know that now, and it's not expensive. You can, I don't know how much it would be, but it probably wouldn't be much more than a few hundred dollars, I would guess. So it's really more about the uh, engagement rate now. And uh, if you can have all the followers in the world, but if you're getting literally two or three comments, it doesn't mean a lot. So I think it's really important that people really concentrate on their engagement rate. And create content that is valuable for their listeners. Um, make, uh, make content that adds value to their life and that is meaningful and especially in uh, these times now, if you hadn't interviewed me a month ago, it would have been a different answer, but it, with um, the coronavirus and you know the way everyone's feeling right now, Really, it's important for creators to be mindful of what they're putting out and to put out things that are sensitive. Um, another good tip that I have is that it's a great time to do good. So if you can do something good in this time, it's quite likely that your business will do well. So it's a good kind of mantra to live by. Do good to do well. Because, But at the same time, don't do good just to build followers, people will be able to see right through that. If you do something good or if you can tie yourself to somebody who's doing something good at the moment, if you can collaborate with somebody who's doing something really good and you have a genuine want to help people at this point in time, then you will do well and people will remember that. So as as much as it's a scary time in the world and it might seem like now is not the time to get into PR... It is almost the best time to to concentrate on on putting your name out there, on doing good things that people are going to remember. Because this will end, and you can either kind of stop all of your PR and marketing and be forgotten, or you can you can really thrive during this time, remembered for doing doing something memorable. And it doesn't, you know, it's not all about. Um, not everyone can save the world and not everyone's in that position to do something huge. But even if it's uh, keeping people's spirits up, if it's doing something that's funny, if it's, you know, people are going to need content during this time. But I think times are changing and the people are going to have to change it up a little bit and just find out what's working and be really sensitive to the situation. And um, maybe it's not all about, you know, the individual anymore we've seen we see so much about people that are so self-centered and it's all about them maybe it's time that you know things are going to change and it might be more about community and um you know building relationships and ha- how we can help other people going forward
0: so on my next question in relation to what you said what do you think is the role of digital pr in current situation right now, like the covid nineteen the coronavirus? What is the important role you think?
2: Yeah, so I think it's a similar kind of answer. It, it's uh, it's to keep you front of mind without being tone deaf. so if people are creating at the moment, take a look at your monthly schedule. If you've got, you know, quite a few of us put things, plan things a month or two in advance, take a look at your future posts. If if um, you're in amongst all of the COVID-19, you know, millions of people dying and then we see something where you're trying to sell something, it's going to come off really tone deaf. So stop with your scheduling. Post things for now, um, day by day, and really judge the how things are going in the world, and stop with the hard sell. Hard sells don't really work to start with, Light like During this this time, and think of ways that you can help people get through these times.
0: That, that that's correct. So more, more 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 sensible on during this situation. Um, that's right. Yeah. On, on the side of the PR, why do you think PR is better than advertising? Some people say advertising is be- better, but some people say P- PR is better than advertising. What What is your um, opinion about this?
2: Well, I can go and put an ad into in tomorrow's newspaper and say that I'm the best PR agency in Adelaide. I mean... <laughs> That's not true because you know I haven't been going for very long and there are plenty of great PR agencies in Adelaide, but it's an advertisement. It's what I'm paying to say about myself. So, I mean, you would know yourself if you're looking through, how often do you take no, notice of an ad? How often are you pausing or muting the ads on TV? How often are you just skipping straight past them? Because, you know, we're, we've all become a little bit um, desensitised to advertising because it's so in your face. No one likes a hard sell anymore. If, what if we see the sponsored ads come up on Facebook? I mean, I personally scroll straight past them unless they really grab my attention. Uh, so advertising is what you're saying about yourself. PR is what someone else is saying about you. So if you're interviewed... That journalist is writing that article about you it they can interview other people about you and that creates PR so PR is more trusted I believe they look they both have they're both equally important but yeah PR is more about what other people are saying about you and in this day and age reviews are huge I mean every time you, you buy anything these days even down to toothpaste people are looking at reviews, and in a way it's similar to PR. It's, um, you know, what other people say is trusted more than what you can just pay to say about yourself. And if you also compare the size of like an advertisement in a magazine, if you had a whole page advertisement, you'd be paying thousands of dollars for that. Whereas if you get in a magazine and you've got a whole page interview or article about you, you know, PR, is free so unless you're in a paid to play kind of magazine you're getting equivalent of thousands of dollars worth and it's not something that you've paid for and therefore not so trusted it's being written about you so pr is it's it's something that everyone can try and do for themselves obviously if you go through an agency you're probably going to have better luck um but yeah like i said they've both got their place but pr I, I believe is a little bit more trusted.
0: Thank you, thank you for that explanation. So we don't have time right now. So what is your what, what is your message to the small business, content creator during this difficult time?
2: Yeah, so my message is to keep going. I, it might seem hopeless, uh, keep creating your content Keep putting it out there. Uh, be the sunshine in the darkness. I mean, the, a lot of the people I work with are really inspirational people. Keep doing what you're doing because we're going to need you. We're going to need, uh, you know, you've become an inspiration for a reason and right now you might not feel like um, creating or you might not feel like you're you're being helpful, but I believe that, um, you know, down the track you will be... And if, if you're bringing some joy to somebody's life, not knowing what the situation's going to turn into, um, just having that, that laugh or watching that sailing video of someone sailing around the world or scuba diving under the water or climbing a mountain might be what is needed to get somebody through that day. So my, my advice is to keep going, um, change your message up on social media be more sensitive, do something helpful that is going to help others. And uh, it's not the time to stop doing PR, if anything, it's the time that you can thrive. Think about how uh, your business can, what angle you can go go at or um, to use what you're doing to um, really thrive during this, these unknown times.
0: Thank you you so much for, for that.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or via RSS. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. If you have any questions, Feel free to reach out to us.
2: It's Adelaide's Podcast on OzPod Syndicate.
1: We are Independent Podcast Network. We are Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate. Would you like to hear your brand while supporting quality podcasts? Contact us now at advertise at GorillaPodcastSyndicate.com. Are you ready to finally start your own podcast? Maybe you already have one, but need a podcast manager to help you level up. We're here for either. Book a call at www.kangroofern.com. www.kangroofern.com.